The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Sports Baseball Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Madorsky and Alex Spector. Welcome to a special Monday edition of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Tuesday, Chase. It's it is Wednesday. It's wow, Wednesday. <laughs> oh, for three. <laughs> Some right. may say this is where we should start over, but I think it is the perfect way to begin. It's just been one of those weeks in the office, folks. With my co-host Bryce, um, Alex is actually home from Spain, but we kicked him off for the week. We wanted to get our second show in with Bryce, as promised, and with the best producer in the game, Sam Beck, who came. To the show this week, um, he just moved into New York City, so we're really glad to have him in the city. Um, before, he was commuting from Jersey just to do the podcast, which, as a Jersey native, I don't wish that upon anybody. So glad to have him in Battery Park. Um, ladies, if you're single and ready to mingle in Battery Park, that's too bad. He's taken, but she lives overseas, so who knows? If you're single and ready to mingle in the East Village, I am here. Come to 10th and 2nd. Yes, Bryce will take you to a fancy Chinese restaurant. But anyway, Sam came prepared this week with a full notebook filled with our picks. Um, his handwriting is also much nicer than I expected. Um, so best producer in the game. Um, and just real quick before we get going with the show, I just saw this tweet that I thought was pretty crazy. Um, you know Eric Burns, former A, is on MLB Network? Yeah, he's a lunatic. He yesterday played 420 holes of golf. In one day? How do you he set the time? world record. I think he just goes from like course to course, plays the whole boom, boom, boom. 420 wow. isn't even... That's not even a multiple of 18. That's... Producer, do some math for us. Twenty. It's 25, I think. No, that's 450. It's 20-something straight games of golf. So Eric Burns, you are a crazy man, and I give you a lot of respect. Um, but we got a packed show... Um, haven't done a show in like eight, nine days, so a lot to cover. Um, but we will start with, as always, our Bavada Sportsbook Picks of the Week. Sam, I'm going to turn it over to you so you can tell us how we did on our last show. Uh, there we go. Uh, last week, uh, Chase finished first. He went four for seven, up $6. Four for seven kind of describes like how I do in our parlay picks. Like, yeah, we do a seven-teamer, and I pick four of them, which obviously yep. means nothing. But Yep, that's pretty standard. Uh, Bryce also went four for seven. Uh, didn't pick the right games quite as well as Chase. Only made $1, um, and I uh, was bringing up the rear three for six minus five bucks. So collectively, though, we were up $2. That could get us... Uh... Two Arnold Palmers. It could get you two Arnold Palmers. It could get you... Uh, Half a Jaeger bomb it could get, at the right ball. It could get you the new Fruit Gushers at 7-Eleven. Wow. That yes. was a big thing I noticed in the aisle on my way over here. Um, but let's go right into our picks. Uh, so we're going to start with the 7 o'clock slate tonight. Arizona Diamondbacks at the Pittsburgh Pirates. And again, remember, podcast rules, you got to pick the spread on at least two of the games. Um, so Diamondbacks, Pirates, Merrill, Merrill Kelly... Um, Fresh over from the Korean Baseball League on the hill for the Diamondbacks. Jordan Lyles for the Pirates. Um, 
for this game, Jordan Lyles has been pretty good this year. Give me Pirates minus 120. The, the Diamondbacks have been good lately. Diamondbacks have been pretty good. I, I know that because they've been costing me in real life. So I'm going to take the Diamondbacks plus the one and a half. That Adam Jones signing looks real good. It's plus one and a half minus 200 in case you need that. Mm-hmm. Sam, what are you thinking? I'm going to go something different from both of you guys. I'm taking the Pirates minus one and a half in this one. The plus 170 pick, the bold move. Uh, moving to the American League, the White Sox and the Orioles. John Means on the hill for the Orioles at home against Irvin Santana on the White Sox. Orioles have been hot lately. Um, Bryce just mentioned Chris Davis since breaking his Ofer streak. He's hit a bunch of home runs. This goes against every piece of conventional wisdom I have, but give me the Orioles minus one and a half for plus 155. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree there, Chase. If I can get a team as an underdog against the Orioles, I will take it every time. Give me the White Sox plus 102. Okay. Bryce, I'm with you. I'm doing the same thing, man. All right, next game in Boston. Tyson Ross on the hill for the Road Tigers. Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox. The Red Sox have been really, really bad lately. Um, I just don't know if I could pick Tyson Ross and the Tigers. Um, so give me Red Sox minus 230. I think it's a crapshoot game. Dude, I, uh, the, I, I, the Red Sox lose all the time. They've cost us so much this year. But eh, what's one more shot with the Red Sox minus one and a half? Give it to me. Producer? I'm going to go with the Tigers' money line. I've uh, lost pretty much every bet I've done um, picking the Sox this year, so I'm going to switch it up. <laughs> As we know, however, though, the, the word do fallacy does not work with the uh, Red, Red Sox. No, not one bit. <laughs> not yet. So this is going to be my other spread game. Philly's got Vincent Velasquez on the mound, on the road against the Mets and Jason Vargas. Give me Phillies minus one and a half, plus 130. Vargas looks like a chemistry teacher. Uh, I think he's due to get booted from the rotation. And Bryce Harper's had a really tough first two games with the Phillies this series. Uh, got tossed, and then yesterday had a couple strikeouts. I like the Phillies to bounce back. Uh, Vargas is one of those pitchers that belongs on the Orioles. He, he's, that bad. <laughs> he's that bad, and I'll bet against Or the him. Mariners. <laughs> Mariners are good, but that's a later discussion. Um, give me Phillies minus one and a half. Anything against Vargas is a smart bet. And I will go Mets money line here. I'm going to uh, make a big comeback this week, picking against you guys on every game. All right. That's smart. Dodgers-Cubs, this to me is probably the hardest game to pick. Walker Bueller and Cole Hamels. You know, the Dodgers lineup's really been clicking. Um, but Dave Roberts, so we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but Cody Bellinger is leading all baseball with 2.6 war. He's .5 in front of Trout. Uh, and he's a full win above replacement in front of Christian Yelich, who's off to maybe the best offensive start of all time, which should tell you how good Bellinger has been. And he was hitting six last night because the Cubs were throwing out a lefty. I don't get that. And for that reason, I'm going to bet against Dave Roberts and the Bruins. Give me the Cubs minus 107. I'm going to take the Cubs at home. Two good teams. I still think the Cubs are a good team. Could be discussion later. But uh, Cubs at home, Hamels is pretty solid. Money line, Bryce. Money line on the Cubs. Nice. Um, another one going against you guys. I'm going to go with the Dodgers and the spread minus one and a half there. Clearly, we do not believe in unity on this show. And no. that's okay. That no. makes for a good podcast. Makes for a good podcast. I agree. All right. Next game, Cole Stewart for the Twins against Verlander and the Astros. I'd be really tempted to go minus one and a half here, but I do like the Twins. I've been a supporter of that from the get-go. Uh, so give me Astros minus 240. Verlander's my Cy Young pick. I ride with my boy. I'm going to have to take Verlander minus one and a half. He's been real good. 
last year and a half since the Astros got him. Why stop now? Give me in this one. I'm going to take the Twins and the runs. Twins plus one and a half. Twins money line is a sneaky good That's probably a smart bet. But it's good value. There's good value on the Twins. All right, in the last game, New York Yankees against the Angels. CC on the bump for the Yanks. Angels are throwing out Felix Pena. It's minus 110 for both. Give me the Yankees, minus 110. CC is six strikeouts away from 3,000. He would become the 17th pitcher to do that, and he already has the third most strikeouts for the lefty. Um, I think tonight CC clinches his ticket to Cooperstown, and the Yankees stay hot. Sweep the Angels. Uh, had the Yankees not won the first two, I would take them. I, with all these, I mean, Gary's back tonight. Which Gary is, is back. No Clint, but Gary's back. I just don't think the Yanks are going to sweep them. They've been too hot with all these injuries. Give me the Angels' money line. Um, give me the Yanks. The toss-up. Got to go with the hometown boys. Yeah, that's why we... My quick Yank tangent will be... I mean, we're going to have a lot of Yank tangents. I have a whole Yankee section because we're Yankee fans. Uh, breaking news, guys. Whoa! Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will make his MLB debut Friday versus the A's in Toronto. What nice. a great segue, Chase. What a great segue. Well, it's breaking news. How often do I get to report breaking news on the show? Pretty Not much very often, never. especially I since think this is, yeah, it doesn't get posted until... Probably the first breaking news I can report on the show, so yep. that's uh, that's pretty cool. But the other night, um, I fell asleep watching the Yankee game on Monday, and I woke up to take a dump at like 2.30 in the morning and had the TV still on. And at first, I just thought it was a replay, and then I looked, and the game was still in the 14th inning, so it was cool. I uh, got to pound out a poop, which is always nice, and then got to watch the Yanks pull out a win. Yeah, been a couple episodes since we talked about your bowel movements, so uh, glad to get, get get back on that train. I'll uh, I'll save it for a different podcast, but I have quite the stories about my own bowel movements. I thought you were going to say about my bowel movements, because <laughs> you uh, probably have stories about those. Uh, we all do, but again, different podcast. There you go. All right, taking a look at the standings. Um, so the AL East, you have the Tampa Bay Rays, best record in baseball, 16-9 in first, but the Yanks are in second, 13-10. Uh, two games back, Blue Jays in third, eleven and thirteen, and then the Red Sox and the Orioles bringing it up the rear, nine and fifteen, nine and sixteen, respectively. We're going to talk about the Yanks in a little bit, but I want to give the Rays their due. Um, one shout out to my roommate Andrew Nathan, who convinced me not to take the over for the Rays wins coming into the year. It was eighty-five. I said, "Dude, that is a no-brainer bet." He said, ah, "I don't think so," and then I just forgot to place it. Um, I think this is a team that could be legit all year, to be honest. I think their rotation is really good. That said, they got hammered by the Royals today, 10-2. I think that was Snell's first start. Yeah, Snell. First start coming off the DL. You only pitched three and a third, though. But I just think the Rays, this bullpen is so deep. Their lineup led by Austin Meadows and Tommy Pham is also really deep. And I just think they're a team that in the modern era of baseball, they have you know three good starters in Snell, Glasnow, and Morton. And in a postseason series especially, you need three good starters and a deep pen, and they have that. No, their team is good. But uh, if you think the Red Sox, do you think the Red Sox are going to be this bad all year long? I don't. But that said, I don't know if their starting rotation is going to. I think Sale is going to turn around. I think that's a no-brainer. I think Porcello kind of is what he is at this point. He's a ERA in like the three eight to four innings guy. Avaldi just got elbows elbow cleanup, so he's out for two months. The bullpen again. They got rid of Kimbrel, so they don't have that stud closer. Even though Matt Barnes has been very solid in the early going. Does anyone have a current Red Sox playoff odds? What's the Bovada odds on the Red Sox making the playoffs? I have no clue. I'm sure there's still favorites to make the playoffs. 
I think the Red Sox turn it around, but I do think there's a chance that they're the third best team in this division. The Red Sox? The, Ra- the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, well, Tampa's capitalizing right now. The Yanks are hurt. The Red Sox can't. And the thing with Tampa, too, is they do they have a deep enough system where come July, maybe they do go after a Madison Bumgarner and say, you know what, We're, we still have this young core for the future, but let's go all in on this year. I mean, that's what the A's did with Lester a few years ago, and that and backfired boy, terribly. did it backfire. But so that's a red flag. Hey. We'll see what, what happens. Tampa's doing good things. AL Central, Twins are still in front, 13-8. and eight. Indians are in second place, 13 and 10. Tigers, 12 and 10. White Sox, 9 and 13. Royals, 8 and 17. Um, I've spoken about how I think the Twins are for real, but I'll ask you guys this: um, the Indians, Carlos Carrasco got an MRI on his knee yesterday. Clevenger's hurt, um, but they did get Francisco Lindor back this week, and Jose Ramirez finally broke out today. Um, at what point do we think the Indians kind of take command, if at all? Well, you said that the Twins are a legit baseball team. That's a deep team. That's a deep lineup. The pitcher got Barrios is a real number one. Pineda's good. Odorizzi is yep. a fine starter. I mean, their team's good. I think the Twins will be in it all year. But at the end of the day, the pitching depth, assuming these guys come back healthy, the Indians should pull away around July, August. I agree. I think eventually they'll need to make a move for a bat, whoever that may be. But they'll get there. Um, my follow-up, just while we're talking about Lindor, is... I think Lindor is going to get $300 million whenever free agency comes, but the Indians are going to have no business paying. They said they're not going to pay him. Ridiculous. My two-part question is, one, when do you think Lindor gets traded? Do you think it's before that last year before he hits free agency? Um, and two, this is, again, a couple years out, where do you see Francisco Lindor playing in, let's say, 2024? The Yankees. You think he's a Yank? Yeah, I, think, I think he's... I mean, it's easy to say the Yankees because I like the Yankees. What about Didi, though? Where does Didi and Glaber? we got a lot of middle infielders. Francisco Lindor is a top-five player in baseball when everything's and going And Didi will be in his 30s by then, mid-30s. Like. If we can just ride out Didi until, through his prime and then replace him with Francisco Lindor, I think that's Cashman's. That's, I, I feel like that had to, that way didn't parse the decision not to sign Machado that we saw down the road Lindor was going to be available. I agree. I think maybe even Arenado, um, which obviously didn't pan out, but I'm sure yeah. in the back of their minds. They were hoping for Arenado. Yeah. I don't think anyone saw the Rockies giving Arenado that deal. AL West, um, very competitive right now. Astros and Mariners tied for first. Uh, Rangers in third, 12 and 10. A's at 500 and fourth, 13 and 13. Angels in last, 9 and 15. I mean, the Mariners have been a great story early on, but. I think the Astros are going to start very soon to pull away with this division, uh, especially Altuve's got nine homers already. Um, his career high in that MVP year was 24, so he's on pace to shatter that. He had nine and ten games, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's been hitting the crap out of the ball. I think the Astros are going to pull away. Um, and if you're Mike Trout, I, I mean, I saw a stat the other day. Trout's OBP is like 580 or something insane, and the rest of the team's OBP is like 250. You know, I know Otani's coming back, and they have a deep farm system, but do you think at any point Trout's going to like look in the mirror this year and go, man, I just re-upped here for the next 10, 11 years. What did I do? No. No, because I think that's what he wanted. Also, look at his bank account. Yeah, but he would have gotten that contract to many. He would have probably gotten more if he tested them. In free agency, I agree. I think he gets even more. I think Trout's the kind of guy that likes the idea of being in one fr- with one franchise his whole career. He would be a weatherman if he didn't play baseball. It's true. He's not the most exciting guy. <laughs> He's he actually lo- the opposite. He loves chasing weather. Uh, NL East, the Mets are on top in first, 13-10. Phillies in second, 12-11. Braves in third, 11-11. Nats, my NL pick in fourth, 11-12. and 12. 
Marlins in fifth, seven and seventeen. So a couple thoughts from the East. Um, one, I think the Mets really missed a big opportunity not signing Gio Gonzalez. Uh, the Brewers had him for they signed him for two million dollars, and I just think he would have been such an upgrade over Max or not Max Vargas, Jason Vargas. Uh, to round out their rotation. Uh, Ken Davidoff wrote about it in the Post yesterday, actually. Uh, so credit to him. This was not an original idea on my end. I think he would have been really good to round out. And I, I think if you're a Phillies fan, what Harper did the other day worries you a little bit just because in these competitive division games, a guy like Harper can't get thrown out early in the game. Um, and Jake Arrieta even said as such. Like He said, we need a guy like that in the game, and we need him playing. And when he gets ejected, he doesn't help the team at all. Yeah, but saying it to the media doesn't help the team at all either. No, I agree. I don't yeah, think it. you got to say it in the clubhouse. That's also the one guy on the team, since he will be on that team for the rest of our lives. It's true. That you, it's, you, it's wasted comment. I agree. I, Harper's not going to change who he is just because Arrieta said that. I think the team that's in very good shape right now actually is the Braves. Uh, Max Fried is a rookie lefty for them. He's looked great. They're going to get Mike Fultonevich back at the end of the month. Uh, I think they're in a good spot. I still think that Kimbrell needs to be a Brave or the National or a National by the end of June to anchor one of those teams' bullpens. Or the Phillies, for that matter. Yeah, even or the Phillies. If Kimbrell doesn't end up in the NL East, I'll be very surprised. Whichever NL East team signs Kimbrell wins the division. I think he's the difference maker in that division. I Those agree. teams are that close. The Mets don't need it because that Diaz trade, which looks real good. Oh yeah, that uh, real good trade for the Mets. NL Central: Cardinals are in first, fifteen and nine. Pirates in second, twelve and nine. Cubs in third, eleven and ten. Brewers five hundred and thirteen and thirteen, and the Reds in fifth, nine and thirteen. Uh, we said at the beginning of the year this is going to be the most competitive division in baseball. This in the NL East, Central shaping up to be so uh, thus far. Uh, I think for the Cardinals, the big thing is their bullpen has been really good. Um, this is when I'll take a chance to say that Jordan Hicks this year, with fastballs ranging from 102.1 miles per hour all the way up to 104.2, um, has the 10 fastest pitches in baseball this year. He's a righty. He's got unbelievable stuff. And I think for the Cardinals, having a guy to anchor them where Andrew Miller doesn't need to be the closer, or even Carlos Martinez or Alex Reyes in the back of the bullpen, that's huge. And if you have those four arms in the back of the pen come playoff time, those are four legit flamethrowers. Not to turn this about the Yanks, but what does that tell you about Chapman, that he's not in any of the top ten fast pitches this season? He's getting older. He's getting older. The knee injury, I think, is affecting him for sure. But... That's, you know, reality. We knew that was going to happen. And uh, another shout-out for the Reds. Uh, I think both of you actually sent me this. Um, but Joey Votto last week popped out to first base for the first time in his career in 6,829 plate appearances. Um, so, for record, Votto hitting pop flies at all is rare. Uh, they've only accounted for 2% of his 4,456 career batted balls. Um, and his lack of pop-ups is even more impressive when you consider that of the 281 players who put at least 200 balls in play last season, he had the eighth highest rate of fly balls and line drives. Joey Votto, Hall of Fame, correct? I think he's got to round it up. I think he needs to get, in terms of counting stats, like home runs, RBIs, hits, I think he needs to get to the Edgar Martinez level, and then he's no doubt. And he's got the MVP already. He's got gold gloves. His resume is very much shaping up to be an MVP career. Hall of Fame career. There you go. Uh, and then the NL West, Dodgers are in first, 15 and 10. Padres hanging in there, 14, 11 and second. D backs, 13, 11 and third. Rockies, 11 and 14. 
on the rise, back up and forth. Giants in fifth, 10 and 14. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has been crushing it for the Padres. But we have to mention that this week is the 20-year anniversary of Fernando Tatis Sr. for the Cardinals, uh, his father, hitting two grand slams in one inning. I think in terms of unbreakable, never-going-to-happen-again baseball feats, that's got to be near the top. Is he the only one that's ever done that? Oh, yeah. It won't be broken because no one's going to hit three grand slams in one inning. In theory, it could be tied. How many players even hit two home runs in an inning? And again, two grand slams, I mean, their team must have been just hitting the crap out of the ball that game um, to be up with the bases loaded twice in one uh, inning. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, two grand slams in one inning is probably just as likely as two home runs in an inning. you got to have everybody hitting, everybody getting on base. It's never going to happen again. Three is certainly never going to happen. Yeah. Correct. Uh, transitioning from standings to the league leaders. Um, in the American League, your average leader is Tim Anderson at 395. Let me hear it. Yeah, bring it on. Come on! I did not want to pick up Tim Anderson in our fantasy league, and it is really coming back to bite us, um, such as life. Did Tim Anderson get suspended the other day or just ejected? He got suspended for one game. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Anderson was a part of a big, big brush-up in Kansas City that involved bat flips, bean balls, and racism. Uh, That's exciting stuff. Usually you get it maybe two of the three if you're lucky, but you very rarely hit the trifecta. Yes. Um, and in the National League, Cody Bellinger leading the league in average at 416. Home run leaders in the AL, Chris Davis in first at 10 is not surprising. It is interesting, however, that Eddie Rosario of the Twins, um, a really under-the-radar good hitter, is tied with him first. Um, and in the National League, Yelich out in front with 13. Thank you to the St. Louis Cardinals for that. Uh, Yelich has hit, what, 8 or 9 against the Cardinals already? At least. Every time he, get, every time he hits the ball. He was over 7 against them this past series. It's crazy. I don't know how the Cardinals did that, but good for them. RBI leaders in the AL, Domingo Santana with 27. Um, and in the National League, Yelich in first with 31. Uh, again, we're going to talk about Yelich in a little bit and just the all-time start he's putting up. Um, but it's very hard for a player to win back-to-back MVPs in today's day and age. Just ask Mike Trout. But if it's not for Cody Bellinger, Yelich just may do it. Uh, moving to the pitching side of things, AL win leaders, you got a five-way tie at four. Marco Gonzalez of the Mariners, Andrew Kashner of the Orioles, Tyler Glasnow of the Rays, Frankie Montas of the Athletics, and Domingo Herman of the Yankees. Uh, and I just think that goes to show, because uh, I don't think any of us would have had these guys pegged for four wins, maybe through the first two months of the year. Uh, wins is an arbitrary stat. I still like wins. If I was a pitcher, no, you, you pitched in our softball. You pitched in our softball game the other day. It's my claim to fame that I got the win. That's why I should get the ball. Yeah, what was your ERA that day? Probably pretty high. It's softball. Yeah, but the win feels good. It might not even been that high because uh, our middle infield didn't exactly help me very much. Well, neither did your catcher. But it's a totally, it's a, as you say, it's a conversation for a different podcast. Uh, and then in the NL, Jake Arrieta, Zach Greinke, Jose Quintana, Derek Rodriguez, son of Pudge, and Kenta Maeda all tied for first with three. ERA leaders, Tyler Glass now in first, 1-5-3 in the AL. Max Friedel, I was just talking about, rookie for the Braves, 1-3-8 in the NL. And then our save leaders, Shane Green, um, has saved every one of the Tigers' wins this year. Um, he's the AL leader with 11 of the Tigers. Kirby Yates still leading the NL with 11. Um, guys, any thought about these pitching leaders? Any surprises? Anyone you want to point out? Going back to Yelich, fun fact of the day, he's on pace for about 200 RBIs this season. So that's cool. It's unbelievable. That's pretty good. Uh, to answer Chase's question, <laughs> uh, Domingo Herman winning four games for the Yanks is pretty good. 
I mean, Domingo Herman is a guy who might not have even ha- wouldn't have had a rotation spot unless CC got hurt and Severino got hurt. He's been huge for them. the fact that he's got four wins and is third in the American League in ERA with one seven five. Just shows one the stuff he has, but two the trust the Yankees have in him. I watched him pitch last night. Really smooth natural delivery. Uh, again, the only thing that worries me with him, you never know where he's going to throw the ball, that and that's troublesome. So yeah. And your leaders in war wins above replacement. Mike Trout in first, 2.1 in the AL, and Cody Bellinger in first, 2.6 in the NL. I don't know. How does war get calculated? Because Trout didn't even show up for a week. If you go on baseball reference, they have a whole mathematical calculation. It's stats, defense. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to explain it, but 2.1 and 2.6 for a month is ridiculous. I mean, that's on pace for a 12-plus war year, and not a lot of guys have done that. Trout has. I don't know if Trout's ever gotten up towards 12. 12 is a monster number. Um, some hot some hot, and not players from this past week or so. Um, looking at hitters, I'm looking at this list. There's a lot of usual suspects, but the first shout-out I'll give is Joey Gallo. Um, who in His last seven, three homers, nine ribbies, that's not a surprise. Um, but the 458 average is a big surprise because he does not usually put the ball in play that much. And again, a guy like Gallo, he's hitting 273 on the year. If Gallo hits above 270, he's all of a sudden, I think, in an upper, upper echelon near superstardom because he's going to hit 40 homers and drive in 100 runs. In that ballpark, yeah. But no one's ever questioned Gallo's power. Of course. That's never his problem. Hunter Dozier on this list. He unfortunately took Livingston native Frank Schwindel's spot on the Royals. Uh, but in his last seven, 381, three homers, four ribbies. Very impressive. That's... Luke Voigt on the list. Three homers, three ribbies, 296. Uh, I think at this point, him and DJ... And Gardner are the three Yankee opening day starters who have not been hurt yet. Um, so that's pretty cool. And the last one I'll give a shout-out to is Mike Zunio. Uh, 478, two homers, ten ribbies in his last seven, and had a kid last week. Wow. Baby right. boy. Good Baby for me. Was Trout's rookie year 12 or 11? I think it was 12. 12 was his first full year, him and Harper. Yeah, he had 10.7 war that year. That was the best. Looking at the cold side of things, uh, Lewis Brinson is hitting zero in his last seven games. Uh, and if you follow the Marlins, that's really tough to swallow that because the, that, that the is Yelich? the centerpiece of yeah. the Christian Yelich trade. Yeah, he's terrible. That's who you gave up for Yelich. <laughs> that guy, he's awful. I remember betting a lot of spring training games. and I'd always rely on Lewis Brinson. He, he just couldn't, he couldn't come through. So he'll be our one cold hitter that's worth mentioning. Um, hot pitchers. Cole Hamill's dialing back the clock a little bit. He's pitching tonight. Uh, his last three starts, 3-0, 1-2-9 ERA, and a 19-0 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Um, Cole Hamels is a guy, I'll ask you, Bryce, if he pitches till he's 39-40, does he get Hall of Fame chatter? He'll get chatter. He'll be on the ballot. He could be a one-and-done guy on the ballot. 159 wins, 159 and 114, which is a real good record. If he keeps pitching, has a shot at 3,000 strikeouts, Career 3.39 ERA in this era is really good. What, 3.39? That's good. Yeah, but I think it's only going to go up. Even if it's like around 3.5, though. If you pitch in this era, 3.5 is like the new 3.2. He may have peaked too early with the 08 team. Was, was he NLCS and World Series MVP or just the World Series? I believe he did both. That's really good, but he, I don't know his high. Offhand, I couldn't tell you his best Cy Young finish. I couldn't tell you his best regular season year. That's fair. He was part of that combined no-hitter in his last Philly start, which was cool. Yeah. But uh, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. Jordan Lyles for the Pirates. He's going tonight. 2-0, 5-3 ERA, .88 whip in his last three. 
Uh, and Caleb Smith, a big bright spot for Marlins fans. 2-0, two, 2 ERA, and a .83 whip in his last three starts. And moving along to the cold side of things, Ivan Supernova also going, not going tonight. Irvin Santana is, but Nova, Supernova has flamed out. 0-2, 8.82 ERA in his last three. Um, we'll also mention Jordan Zimmerman, who after his dynamite first two starts, uh, 0-3, 9-2-2 ERA in his last three. Uh, I mentioned Rick Porcello before and kind of taking taking you know what he is at this point. His last game, he went six in, uh, five and two-thirds and only gave up two earned runs. And despite that, in his last three, he's 0-2 with a 7-5-3 ERA. And the That's last one I'll shout out. That's awful. Awful. And the last one I'll shout out. He's still on a terrible contract, too, right? I think this is the last year. But that contract netted him a Cy Young. The Porcello contract? Yeah. I was talking about the Zimmerman contract. Oh, Zimmerman is still on that terrible 5 for one time contract, yes. And I hate to say this to you, Bryce, but Harvey in his last three, 7-3-6 ERA, and that's with six innings of two-run ball factored in against the Yanks. Well, that's right where you expect Harvey to be, though. Not that bad, dude. Well, he's not that good. I do love Harvey, but uh, he doesn't seem to be hit. They try putting him in the pen? No. He, I don't even think... They don't have the arms to do it. I mean... I don't think we're a podcast worth devoting time to Matt Harvey, unfortunately. Totally not. Um, so a guy who's been habitually hot the past three, four years, the AL home run leader, Chris Davis, um, who was hitting 242, so he's right around his 247 mark. Um, he's the baseball's most prolific home run hitter since the start of the 2016 season, and he just finalized a two-year extension with the Athletics for $33.5 million. Um, Davis, 31, expressed his desire to remain in Oakland for the long term during spring training. Uh, he was set to be a free agent after this year, and the extension allows Davis a chance to continue his home run tear with the A's. Uh, and again, this is another guy who's gone out of this year's free agent class, joining Arenado, Sale, Xander Bogarts, Verlander, and Goldschmidt. Uh, so this went from an all-time free agent class to... Who's left? Rendon. Good time to be him. Good time to be Anthony Rendon. Uh, Davis said, Oakland has been a special place for me since I arrived. I love playing here in front of our fans, and my teammates make this feel like a family. I never hid the fact that I wanted to stay in Oakland because this that is how I feel, and I'm glad that I could continue to call the city of Oakland my baseball home. This team has a bright future, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, the past three seasons, David is, Davis has averaged 44 homers and 112 ribbies since the A's acquired him in a trade with the Brewers before 2016. His 143 home runs are the most of any player in the MLB over that span. The next closest is Giancarlo Stanton with 124. Uh, to show how rapidly Davis's power has risen to elite levels, he launched his 200th career home run in Baltimore last week in his 2,784th at bat, the fewest for any active player to reach that milestone. And just to cap it all off, the A's trolled the entire internet and the world by running an ad that said, KD commits to Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good. One. Good for them. Um, I do not like Kevin Durant, but again, not a basketball podcast. I like this deal for Oakland, though. I think it's fair for both teams because Davis is kind of a one-trick pony. He's really good at that pony, though. Uh, I mean, he again, he's averaged 44 home runs the past few years. Doesn't look like he shows any signs of shutting down. Uh, and I think for Oakland, it's so rare that they can lock up a guy in their core. Um, and I wouldn't call Davis a superstar, but I'd call him a star in baseball with those power numbers. With that power, he's definitely a star. And I think it's fair for both teams. I mean, the years aren't great for Davis. Only a two-year extension. 
But at the money. same time, if he average if he averages forty for the next three years, some team will sign him at age 33, 34 to I'm, be a DH. I'm trying to look this up now. Are the A's getting a new stadium, or is that just in the works, or is that just perennially in the works? I think it's perennial, peren, perennially in the works. I went to the Coliseum last year. It is a dump, and I love old school baseball stadiums, and I try to give them the benefit of the doubt whenever possible. But well, that one's terrible. That said, though. Probably the best beer selection of any baseball stadium I've been to. That's important. That's Sneaky important. good IPA selection. Not an IPA guy. I'm usually just a... Cheapest a cheap, beer on the menu Cheapest guy. beer on the menu, and I'll drink as many as I can. Hey, quantity over quality. We all have uh, it gets you different the same, methods. It gets you to the same place. Of course, but you know me. When we drink, I have to pee like a racehorse. So if I could go fewer drinks that are stronger, it's better for the whole party. Well, that's why I'm usually just drinking entire bottles of Jim Beam. Jim Beam. You gotta, have you tried the Jim Bean Budweiser yet? No. Sounds horrible. Oh, it sounds great. <laughs> also, on the note of good beer and good food at stadiums, I don't know the date yet, but the three of us and Alex, when it does come out, uh, we have to go to the MLB, I saw that, the yes. Food Fest. Yeah, have we yes. talked about this on the show yet? I don't no. think we have. Quick tangent. Um, so, starting last year, the MLB did a Food Fest. I think it's in New York. Um, there's one in LA, New York, and London. They haven't announced the New York dates yet. No, I'm on probation from London. All right, we well, we're, we're, we're not going to London. Um, but if you go, you can get such food items such as the Cincinnati hot pork schnitzel, Rocky Mountain oysters from Colorado. I've had those in Colorado. It's the uh, one of two times I've eaten testicles. Kung Pao <laughs> chicken drumsticks from the Angels, uh, banh mi from the Tigers, fat rooster from the Indians, amongst others, and of course the Mariners toasted grasshoppers. Wow. I probably wouldn't try it, but. I'll give it a go. My aunt used to live in uh, Namibia, so she used to in bring where Namibia. It's in Africa. Of course it is. <laughs> she used to, so she'd always bring back grasshoppers and. Did you ever eat them? Yeah, I've had my fair share of grasshoppers. Had your fair share of grasshoppers. I've eaten more grasshoppers than I've eaten testicles for whatever that's worth. That's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we were talking about him before, Tim Anderson, the AL League leader in hitting. Um, this discussion is going to be about Tim Anderson, Brad Keller, and a little bit of baseball's unwritten rules. Um, so to paint the picture, um, White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson hit an absolute two-run bomb off of Brad Keller in the fourth inning of their game last Wednesday. Um, and Anderson celebrated by throwing his bat back towards his dugout. But this wasn't like a bad flip. This was like, I'm going to stare at the dugout, pause, and then chuck my bat. Like it was, a, it was like a basketball chest pass. I think it had like three full rotations. Three full rotations. It was, it was pretty epic. Um, so predictably, the next time Anderson stepped to the plate, leading off the bottom of the sixth, Keller hit him with a fastball. The bench is emptied. Keller and Anderson were ejected, as was White Sox manager Rick Renteria. Um, Keller was suspended five games, one start for hitting Anderson. Um, he's appealing that. And uh, he actually pitched yesterday. Um, and Anderson was suspended for one game, not because of the bat flip, but because of his language um, for conduct after the bench is cleared. Um, Anderson had this to say. He didn't appeal. He said, we were going to keep moving forward. That happened a couple of days ago. So we are going to keep having fun and keep playing with a lot of energy and a lot of confidence. We were going to flush that and keep going. I accept my suspension, and it will be a good day to get some rest. Go back to the hotel and watch the guys ball out, and I'll be ready tomorrow. I'll be back in there. Um, so let's just start with the Tim Anderson thing. Um, he was suspended because he looked at Brad Keller. And, again, I don't want to bring race into it, but Tim Anderson is a black baseball player. Brad Keller is a white-bred Kansas City Royals pitcher, um, and he called them a weak-ass effing N-word. Um, and that's a direct report from ESPN. That's how they reported it. So that's how I'm going to report it. 
Do you guys think Anderson should have been suspended for that? Yes. Yeah. No, you you, you can't. There are certain words that aren't allowed in baseball. They, they suspended Gurriel for writing that on his face in the World Series a couple of years ago. But they wrote it different. Dude, they suspended Gurriel because you Darvish was pitching and he made slanted eyes at him. Well, there's no place for racism anymore. Yeah. I agree. So you think any hint of racism, yeah. regardless of how it is, you nip it at the butt. Just Absolutely. Nip it at the butt. It's they're grown ups. It's the, if we're dealing if if at camp I see a kid say something like that, I suspend him for activities. The MLB should be no different yeah. than, than me. Guy, you get ejected from the stadium for doing it. No reason the players should be doing it. It's it's embarrassing. These guys are making millions of dollars. There's a list of like four or five words. I mean, if you drop an F-bomb here, they're like... I've That's been fair. Known to drop yeah. an you but you can drop your, as many F-bombs as you want, presumably, yeah, in the right context. So I guess when it gets into like race, LGBTQ slurs, all that... Yeah. No slurs. That's where we draw no the line. No yeah. slurs. Okay. That's it's, fine. Just curse like the rest of us. But Legend, I think, legendary bat flip, though. But I think, oh, the, bigger, I think the bigger issue at hand is the concept of... Not so much bat flips, but players being thrown at uh, with 95 mile power fastballs that could potentially end a guy's career and change his life. Uh, here are a few quotes about the whole situation in general. Um, Joe Madden said about bat flips. I know my first year with the Cubs in 2015, I got upset at Junior Lake down in Miami for flipping his bat. At the time, my being upset was about trying to flip the culture here, being more professional looking and act like you're going to do it again. That was my whole point about that. Trevor Bauer, who is a pitcher and a very controversial one at that, pretty much said, this is dangerous. There's no reason to be throwing at people. Um, and I think a really interesting take was from pitcher Amir Garrett. Uh, he said, my take, bat flips are cool. You take it to the chin and wear it, but next time you face him, strike him out and do whatever you got to do. Fist pump, moonwalk, cartwheel, do whatever. Absolutely. I'm all for it. Both ways, law. Um, I think the way that MLB needs to hammer this home, look, five games for a pitcher, they're going to miss one start. In the scheme of things, that means nothing. If a guy is intentionally throwing a fastball at someone and it's obvious, I think the suspension's got to be at a minimum 10, 15 games. You need to start making an example of these guys. And I know people will talk about unwritten rules, but look, bad flips to me is a kind of pompous, sure, but we're all about trying to make the game fun. That's been MLB's campaign this year. Let the guy celebrate. Let him have fun. And I think it's just like if you're a pitcher, what does that say about you that you instead of, I think what Amir Garrett said, you know, focus your energy on getting him out next time. Yeah. Not only by hitting him are you injuring the player, you're helping the other team by giving them a base Absolutely. runner. There's no benefit. And the argument is be a professional. So when you get beat on a play, be a professional. Don't be a baby about it. And it's the equivalent of like a temper tantrum. The next time he comes up, you're going to throw at him? It makes no sense that you're allowed to throw objects at people at 100 miles an hour. Crazy. I mean, people defend. some people try and defend it. Like, oh, if you hit him in the back, it won't be that bad. But that's a... That ball's going fast. Yeah. It's a projectile. Yeah. It's it's a if I was gonna be like super uptight, I'd, I'd call it a deadly weapon, but Sure. Yeah. You might as well and you're throwing a ball that fast at a guy. If you hit him in the head Giancarlo Stan got hit in the face a couple Broke years. Broke his face. Broke his face. Like that's a good looking face, man. Yeah. On that note, we had a debate at the Yankee Red Sox game last week. Would you rather get hit in the ribs with a Chapman fastball no. or take a McGregor left to the face? McGregor left to the face. You think? Yeah, because you're out. You're out. You don't. You'll wake up in the hospital and be like, "Wow, my head is killing." I um, just worry he would give me permanent brain damage. You, my you looks might. are my looks are too subject at the moment to take that risk. I'll <laughs> take it in the ribs. You might, I don't want to. I don't want to live like for two or three days post getting a broken rib with a fastball and internal bleeding. Yeah, no, thank you. I'll pe- take a pass on that. 
Right, well, that's a good point, but you're a handsome guy, so. <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing a t-shirt, Bryce is wearing shorts, you're the one wearing button downs, so. Well. And you got the fancy watch. Yeah, but I think I'm looking good at the shorts. That's not my issue. I'm showing off my calves. If I threw on my, uh, you know, baby blue UCLA sweatshirt, you get the whole look that I'm going for right now, but alas, it's a little hot in Bryce's apartment. I took it off. A man can only sweat so much during the podcast. That it is. All right, so we've been talking about Christian Yelich, uh, and Bryce, you texted me about this last week. The consensus for anyone in the universe is Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. But are we at the point where we're okay naming Christian Yelich as the second best given his success and Moogie Betts slumping? Uh, so here's some stats. So right now he's leading the league with 13 home runs. Uh, with four or five games remaining in the month, it appears he may end up with the best March and April of all time. Um, looking at the stats, he's already one of five players to hit at least 13 home runs by the end of April, joining A-Rod, Pujols, Luis Gonzalez, and Ken Griffey Jr. And before you say what does Luis Gonzalez do there, uh, in 2001, he hit 57 homers. So that was an elite Luis Gonzalez year. Um, Rodriguez and Pujols each hit 14 home runs. Was that 07 for A-Rod? Yeah, and Rodriguez led the way with 34 ribbies. Um, Yelich right now is at 13 and 31, um, so he's in shouting range. And he also has a top five March-April OPS of all time at 1.315 behind Larry Walker, Bonds, Pujols, uh, and Cody Bellinger this year. Um, so I guess this is also where we got to say Cody Bellinger is develop- redeveloping into a superstar before our eyes. Um, but Yelich, second best player in baseball, you think? That's what I texted you this week. Ever since that trip... The power's been there since he got to Milwaukee. He won a gold glove in Miami in 14, so his feeling's fine. Defense is good. He, just, he doesn't seem to get out. No. <laughs> but to be fair, I feel like he's only played the Cardinals this month, who he owns. So we'll see what happens when he plays maybe like the NL West. <laughs> yeah, but the Cardinals are a good baseball team. Of course. I mean, that's not, he's not playing the Orioles. Second best run differential in baseball. Yeah, no, I, I think at this point, on the last year and a half, or the last season and change he's clearly he's a, I'd say he's been better than Trout but you can't you just cannot put anyone above Trout so I'm going to cite an article from Sam Miller at ESPN uh, a few years ago we looked at how how many war a player needed to produce by each age level to be more likely to make the Hall of Fame than not in other words of all the players who had at least X war through each age half made the Hall and half did not we called X the 50% possibility probability through age 25, Christian Yelich was right on the bubble. The 50% possi- probability mark for 25-year-olds was about 18 more, and Yelich had about 19. For 26-year-olds, the mark was 20. Through the All-Star break last year, Yelich had 21. Um, Yelich's skill set was also not one likely to be recognized by future voters. Uh, he never led the league in any statistical category, never hit more than 20 homers or stole more than 21 bases, and never finished higher than 19th in MVP voting. Uh, after the 2018 All-Star Game, uh, his comparisons uh, for baseball reference through his age 25 season were Chet Lemon and Johnny Damon. Only one of his 10 most comparable predecessors, Dave Winfield, made the Hall. Um, just to understand how good Yelich has been after the All-Star Game, at the All-Star break last year, Yelich was hitting 292, 364, 459, and for his career, 288, 365, 435. By OPS Plus, he was around the 350th best hitter of all time, tied with Mike Greenwell. Since then, he has hit 364, 451, 792. In just 400 plate appearances, career OPS has gone up 51 points, and those 51 points have moved them more than 200 spots ahead on the career OPS Plus leaderboard. He's now ahead of Carl Yastrzemski, Tony Gwynn, Winfield, and Eddie Murray, all of whom were inner circle Hall of Famers. He ended his age 25 year as the 100. 43rd best player ever through that age by war. By the end of the year, at the end of his age 26, 
He was 88th with 26.5 war. He's not a lock to make the Hall of Fame, but this just goes to show how crazy the past year has been and that he all of a sudden is now a guy who's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Any thoughts there? No. Digesting still? I'm dig- uh, you said a lot. I know. <laughs> so I'm trying to take it all in. No, I mean, an MVP's huge for the Hall of Fame. I mean, Jeter's the guy that didn't win an MVP, but we'll still make I mean, first ballot. Derek Jeter, He's Derek Jeter. Of course. I mean, Jeter also won five World Series. <laughs> well, no, this this Brewers team could win a World Series. Sure. I mean, why not? I, if he, the only back-to-back MVP winner, the only person with no steroids, Dale Murphy. I mean, Miggy. Miggy's going to make the Hall of Fame. Oh, who is not in the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Dale Murphy is the only one that comes to mind for me. I, I can't imagine anyone else. Back to back, I don't believe so. I mean, if Yelich does this season, if he has this year, he's only 27 years old, too. Yeah. Um, reason to believe he gets better from here. My concluding point on Yelich comes from Andrew Simon on Twitter. In Yelich's last three seasons at the Marlin, 437 games, 46 home runs, and 1,879 plate appearances. In his Brewers career, 164 games, 729 plate appearances, 44 home runs. Unbelievable. Leaveable I thought that I thought him out of Miami was going to be a disaster for him. I thought the Ozuna and Stan in the lineup just turned him into that much better. But I was wrong. No, now he's he seems to be. All right. So to end this discussion, are we all in consensus that we can anoint Christian Yelich the second best player in baseball right now? I think yes. I don't even know who you throw up there. Maybe yeah. Arenado, but. For now, I think you have to. Maybe. Uh, Arnado's been off to a slow start. How crazy was that text I sent you guys yesterday? That the first three hitters in the Rockies lineup are all hitting 278 and like the third inning of some random game. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Liberty, Liberty. All right, so some sad news from another one of baseball's best. Aaron Judge last week became the 13th Yankee to be placed on the IL list. Oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. Um, Judge strained his oblique during Saturday's 9-2 win over the Royals, lending out a noticeable as he left the game after a single. Uh, The Yankees placed him on the injured list, and in doing so, uh, Aaron Boone called it a pretty significant strain in there. Uh, The team did not offer a timeline, um, but he's not doing any baseball activities for at least the next two weeks. Oblique strains can cause a player to miss a lot of time. Four to six weeks is not unheard of for even moderate runs, um, and guys with major strains and missed months. Um, So Gary Sanchez uh, is back, um, but Judge is the 13th player... um, I guess now the 12th player currently on the injured list and the 14th Yankee overall to visit on the season, joining Stanton, Hicks, Sanchez, even though he's back, Didi, Severino, Andahar, Greg Bird, Tulowitzki, Batances, Ben Heller, Jordan Montgomery, and Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury should not count. (laughs) Yeah. He's on the list. Uh, The Yankees lineup on Sunday looked like a bad split-squad lineup. It was hilarious. Uh, against the Royals, in a game they managed to win 7-6 despite the bullpen Austin doing Romine. everything they could to blow it, it was LeMahieu, Voigt, Gardner, Clint Frazier, Tuckman, Gio Yersella, Mike Ford, Austin Romine, and Tyler Wade. This is a lineup that in spring training, the other team would be like, no, 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 you got to send more stars so we can put asses in seats. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right, man. But That's despite all that, and this is where we're going to give some love to the Yankees, um... The run differential is the third best in baseball right now behind the Cardinals and the Rays. They've won six of their past seven. They're 13 and 10. That run differential is plus 30, which is very impressive. Um, A lot of that has to do with 
One, Clint Frazier, uh, he hasn't played the past two nights with a mild ankle sprain, but he's taken the brass ring and run with it. He's top ten in the AL in slugging and average. Um, but James Paxton last week showed why the Yankees got him, and he has looked every bit the ace we got. Uh, coming into the week, his ERA was in like the mid-sixes. Now it's 310, uh, which, again, is a product of early season baseball. Um, but last week, he pitched his way to a 2-2 and record after being 0-2, firing eight scoreless innings of two-hit, 12-strikeout ball and an impressive 8 nothing victory over the Red Sox. On Sunday, he racked up another 12-strikeouts against the Royals uh, in six innings and matching a franchise record that has gone unchallenged since 98. He became the first pitcher since David Cohn in 98 to have back-to-back 12-strikeout games. And uh, you asked me last week if that uh, Herman Cece game I went to against the White Sox was the best game I've ever seen pitched in person. This Paxton game... Given how the Yankees were slumping and how it was against the Red Sox, I think that might be number one for me. It's always cool to strike out a bunch of Red Sox. Yeah, it was unbelievable. That's always cool. Um, And against the Royals, um, Paxton took 12 pitches to strike out the side in the third, and from there he was just absolutely dealing. Uh, According to MLB stats, um, the 30-year-old lefty is one of three major league pitchers to pitch consecutive starts with 12 strikeouts and one or fewer walk and no earned runs, and the first to do it since Kershaw in 2015. And with the Giants up next, they don't have the best lineup. It could be three in a row. Uh, he's the first Stanky and the 11th pitcher all time to go 12 strikeouts and no runs in consecutive appearances. Uh, and he's the first Yankee ever with 12 strikeouts and two hits or fewer allowed versus the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium, old or new. So nice. he stepped up. That's all good. And the rotation really... It seems like half his past two starts has turned it around a little bit. Um, seven innings of two-run ball last night. Uh, gave us six innings of three-run ball against the Royals. CeCe's been great. Uh, I don't think he's given up an earned run in his ten innings since he's come back. Herman, we talked about. Tanaka's been Tanaka. Um, I guess the one thing that worries you as a Yankee fan is the bullpen, again, shaky. Um, Jonathan Holder looked dead by the end of that game. Extra inning game on Monday. <coughs> what are the Yanks going to do? I mean, how do you fix that? I don't know how you fix that. Chapman's ERA is three. He blew a save the other night that made the game going into further extra innings. Chad Green, who's gotten so many big outs for us, uh, he was sent down to AAA today. Um, so I guess the moral of the story is, Dellen Batances, we really, really need you back. Yeah. I guess that's how you fix it. That's and uh, again, you know, we thought this team was going to be built from the inside out, bullpen to rotation. Now it's going to be outside in, rotation to bullpen, which is fine. I wouldn't trust that going forward. Of course not, but that's what we got to roll with as for now. As long as the team gets I think as long as we get healthy, we should be. Fine. Look, if we finish this month, say, we're 13-10 and 10 now, let's say we finish the month like 16-12, and 12, that's a great first month given the amount of injuries we yeah, have. it's incredible, actually. Impeccable. Yeah, so you don't really want to talk about it, that they're winning games. They have no business really even being close in, considering the, the, the line that they're putting out there. So. And the thing is, we're 13-10, and 10, we could have won every single game in that Astro series. Food for thought. If we win two or three there like we should have, then we're all of a sudden we're 15-8, and eight, which seems real good. Yeah. Uh, another injury occurred across town in Flushing, although it's not as bad as it seemed a week ago. Um, Jacob DeGrom was placed on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to April 16th, um, with a right elbow injury. Um, on Saturday, though, he began throwing again, and he's actually making a start. Friday for the Mets. Um, he was placed on the IL because when he was throwing Thursday, uh, he said his elbow was barking, uh, which, again, is not an adjective you want for an ace. I think that's uh, a verb. Verb? Yeah. No, barking? Could be both. Adverb. 
No, adverbs end with L-Y. Okay, anyway, English class <laughs> aside. Uh, DeGrom's a guy with a little bit of injury history. Tommy John in 2011, he got a second procedure to repair nerve damage in 2016. Uh, and even last year was on the 10-day IL after hyperextending his right elbow. Um, the Mets weren't going to get him an MRI at first, which to me was crazy. It's like, why not just well, do it to be the safe? the Mets have just the worst medical staff ever. You Terrible. talk to any Mets fan, they'll tell you that. Terrible. Um, it's no surprise that DeGrom was hurt on some level. Um, his 3.68 ERA and 2.9 walks per nine are very not DeGrom-like, although he is tied for the MLB lead with 14.7 Ks per nine, but gave up a lot of home runs against both the Twins and Braves. Um, DeGrom, for him, said his start against the Braves was pushed back, flipped around a few times and said, I've been sick in Atlanta, kind of had a whole body soreness. For me, when I don't know, it seems like things pop up. I wasn't on my normal routine. I was trying to get just enough in to be able to make my starts, and I just felt a little soreness in my elbow. I decided to say something. Uh, so this was the big debate between Michael Kay and LaGreca last week. The Mets had to give DeGrom this extension just for the sake of the fan base. But for a guy who's 30 and with injury history, you had another two years to wait. Did they make this deal a little too early, in your opinion? Um, from a logistics point, yes. But they had to appease the fan base. So you think the fan base... The fan base pressured them into it. The fan base pressure and the need to keep the fans happy outweighed the concept of... Well, even... It's not just the fans. Thor got up there and said something. Thor's been terrible this year also. Yeah, but Thor said, if you don't extend this guy, what are we doing? It's true, I just... players are demanding that other players get contract extensions. You have to get the contract extension. I agree. It's one of those Mets situations, too, where no matter what they do, it'll end up backfiring. If they don't extend him, he'll be absolutely he'll nasty. He'll be a Yankee. And he'll, exactly. And if they do extend him, he'll get his elbow will tweak, <laughs> and he'll not be himself for the next duration of the contract. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, an ace that we saw return last week is Clayton Kershaw. Uh, first, a big shout-out to Yasiel Puig in his first game back at Dodger Stadium. Hit a mammoth two-run homer off of Kershaw in the first. Um, but other than that, Kershaw looked really good against the Reds. Seven innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, zero walks, six Ks. Stunned against the Brewers, um, six innings, two hits, two earned runs, seven Ks, but a very un-Kershaw-like four walks. He said some days it's not going to look pretty, and today definitely falls in that category. But that said, um, he got 16 swinging strikes on Sunday. He only had one game that got... Um, that many last year, including 18 in his opening day start of 2018. Uh, so I guess my question for you guys is, we're never going to see King Kershaw like we did in the no. 2010s. Uh, the 2010s. Won the, I think yeah. he won the MVP in 14. Won the MVP. He's won three Cy Youngs. Um, but what do you think we can realistically expect from Kershaw going forward? I like Clay Kershaw a lot. Of course. If you're the Dodgers, you have to hope he's as close to King Clayton as he can. The Dodgers still have to peg him in as the ace. The They're paying him $31 million the next three years to be that guy. And he's not going to give you MVP seasons anymore, but he should still pitch like an ace. And I think he still can. I mean, he's, he's, been, he's, been, he's had injuries throughout his career. Even his MVP year, I believe he missed the first month of the season. Yeah. Which for a pitcher to do that is... This is going to be my biggest Yankee homer comment of the show, but if I was Clayton Kershaw, the guy I'd be calling right now is Andy Pettit. He's a guy who lost his best stuff uh, through his mid-30s, but pitched until he was about 40, just nibbling on the corners with an 88-mile-per-hour fastball and great off-speed stuff. And I think Kershaw's stuff is better than that. But it was signi- Kershaw has been significantly better than Pettit his entire career. Sure, but I think 
once this contract is over and Kershaw's 34, um, you know, a couple years from now, I think he's going to need to make that transformation like a CC or a Pettit did where he's not going to be able to overpower guys and he's going to learn have to learn how to be a true pitcher. Uh, and Bryce was talking to me about an Andy Pettit story he had before the show. I didn't think I was going to be able to bring up Andy Pettit, but I did. So, Bryce, tell your story. Yeah, I grew up in France for a little while and uh, I had an Andy Pettit shirt. And in the French, uh, some language in this class, uh, petite is the French word for small. So I was often bullied by the French kids for wearing my petite shirt. And uh, that shaped who I am today. I, uh, you would still call yourself petite? You know what? Where it counts, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's my story. So a guy who I would say is not petite where it counts, Albert Pools. Yes, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, Albert Pujols passed, me, yeah. passed another guy who was definitely not petite where he counts. Uh, he passed Babe Ruth on the RBI list this past that week. That man, there's nothing petite about Babe Ruth. No. Um, the Angel Slugger and future Hall of Famer had a night to remember during the club's 6-5 loss to the Mariners, Mariners on Saturday. In the bottom of the 30, lined a double off of Kikuchi and scored Angelton Simmons for the Angels' first run of the night, then returned in the ninth with a 436-foot solo shot off of Anthony Swarzik. The two-RBI performance bumped Pulse's career total to 1,993. Uh, he passed Babe Ruth's total of 1,992. Only Hank Aaron, A-Rod, Barry Bonds, and Lou Gehrig sit above him on the list for now. Uh, Bonds is at 1996 and Gehrig's at 1995. Uh, so realistically, he could by the end of this weekend be third most all time. Do all these pools accomplishments feel like absolute nothing since he signed that Angels contract? Am I the only one thinking that? All right, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so my first question is: So pools right now is about 300 RBIs behind Hank Aaron. Do you think when all is said and done, he has a shot of being the all-time RBI leader? How many years left on the Angels contract? Because he's done. 300 RBIs, he's not, he's not getting through. He's probably going to need, after this, he's probably going to need another four seasons. Yeah, at least. He has this this many years left. He is signed through the 2022 season. So he's got, nah, he's not going to get it. No, but I mean, you see, that's why Trout takes all this money in LA. All these pools. Well, pool- they timed it right, where the, the Trout deal would start getting crazy when the pools deal expired. But you see pools, he left a great baseball town. He left the team he was with for... A decade, to two rings, to, three MVPs, to chase the money, and he's who did he just, did he just pass Babe Ruth in something? If you pass Babe Ruth he's in something, to. you're about to pass. No, Babe. he already passed oh, Babe Ruth. You, you passed he's Babe about Ruth. to pass Gehrig and and uh, Ponce. These are incredible accomplishments that nobody really cares about because he's just out in LA doing or Anaheim doing nothing. Meanwhile, left a team that could not care more about me. They, a fan base that couldn't care more the, about Probably the most devoted fan base in the league, the Cardinals are. The best, for sure. So his Angels career, that 10 for 240 contract, right now he's a 259, 315, 452 career hitter with the Angels. Um, but for his career, 100 war, 636 homers. The average is still 302. The OPS is still 935. Well, he's still a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer. So my question, oh, that's no question. He'll get over 90, maybe 95% of the vote. Yeah. But my question is, when all is said and done, is Albert Pujols considered a top 10 hitter of all time? I think the answer still has to be yes, because those first 10 years were that good in St. Louis. He was the machine. It, it, he needs to retire so people can appreciate him more. And I think people will appreciate him once again once he does retire. I think he should do one of those retirement tours where we can think back to how great yeah. Albert Pujols was. He needs yeah. a year like that where you can just announce it and just be done. Yeah. yeah, he needs something like that, because... 
the end of Pujols' career has just been a disaster. Yep. It's been awful. I agree. But I love Pujols. I remember you struck me out in T-League once wearing a Pujols jersey, so I kind of soured on him. I was wearing a Pujols jersey? I was wearing a Pujols jersey. Uh, I have not worn it since. Were we teammates? We were teammates. My bad. <laughs> I fouled the ball off a couple too many times. It happens. Uh, all right. But I'll... I hit a triple earlier in that game for whatever it's worth. We were on Bruce team, I think? Oh, the Bruce, Bruce Bruisers. No good. All right, our last pick and how we'll conclude our show. So we now know that Vlad Jr. is going to debut on Friday. Number one prospect in baseball. Uh, he's hitting, since last season, hitting 381, 437, 636 with 20 homers and 78 ribbies and 95 minor, minor league games. It's going to be great for baseball that he's coming up. He's only 20. Some think he's going to be even better than his dad. Your guys' predictions, what does Vlad Jr. do in his first at bat? I'm going to say he walks. I say he pops up. He has no fun. He's, he's dropping a bomb. Bomb.com. Packing a dinger, hitting a dinger. Give me one. All right. Are you allowed to pack dingers in Canada? I have no yeah, idea. I think you can get away with it. I feel like Canada I has much laxer laws across the board than America. So. Yeah, well, I don't think they sell dingers. All right. Vlad Jr., if you're for whatever reason listening, please let us know if they sell chewing tobacco in the country of Canada, and we wish you the best of luck on your big league career that's going to start on I know Friday. they sell it in Germany, but it's off-brand. <laughs> Good to know. Guys, any concluding thoughts for this week's show? Besides the off-brand dip in Germany? They also sell off-brand dip in England. Oliver Twist chewing tobacco bits. There you go. There you go. Several fun flavors for those interested. Yeah, for Oliver Twist. (laughs) Whatever it's called. Oliver Twist chewing tobacco bits. God bless. They sell it down in Covent Garden. Any concluding thoughts from you, Sam? No, that's all I got for today, guys. They also sell this thing called like a... <laughs> Still going. I got a, Still going. Yeah, I don't even it's know his last it's, couple minutes on the show, yeah, so he's got to make it. They sell like this thing like a pigtail, where it's just like this giant like yard of just coiled up dip, and it's... Sounds rancid. Oh, it is. It is vile. I, I never do it. But uh, when I did do it... None of us have ever tried chewing tobacco, just for the record. No, uh, it's Oliver Twist chewing tobacco bits. It was... That like ocean spray flavor. It was like fantastic. It's like Febreze. All right, check out Vlad Jr. Hopefully the Yanks stay hot. Uh, With Bryce and our producer Sam Beck, my name is Chase Midorski, and this is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show.